0: So when's the last time that you shook a stranger's hand? I know the exact day and time it was for me. It was March 8th, way back when, right, when we were still gathering together. I was standing in front of our campus, as I do, or at least used to every Sunday, and I said, we're gonna have our greeting time, but there's a lot of stuff going around, a lot of sickness, so let's not shake hands. Let's just elbow bump or like wave or whatever and within 3 seconds i stepped off the platform and i kid you not immediately a very gregarious well-meaning lovable man literally grabbed my hand and said how you doing pastor ryan and i realized like this is going to be really really difficult right because we're so used to shaking each other's hands and and t- like this this way of touching each other in greeting and I I realized that everything is changing right now. And I don't know about you, but I come home from a store or whatever, and I just almost feel like residue on my hands from whatever I've been touching. And my wife and I, we wipe down the steering wheel of our car. We, I don't know if you're doing this, but we, uh, at least most of the time, we literally wipe down every box and bag that we bring home from the grocery store, just trying to get the yuck potentially yuck off of our stuff. We don't want it in our house, right? And touch is really, really powerful. And it makes me think about the this organ that God's given us, our skin. So weird thought, but if you were to like unzip your skin and like spread it out on the floor in front of you, which I don't recommend, but if you were to do that, it would be about seven feet wide. It would weigh, if you're an average adult, about 20 pounds, You Right? Uh, And it's it's a really important organ. It protects us from infection on the outside. It it keeps everything that's on the inside protected and on the inside where it's supposed to be. But it's also, as doctors will tell us, it's the pathway for touch. So uh, one of my favorite Christian authors, he's a medical doctor. His name is Richard Swenson. He wrote a book uh, a number of years back uh, called More Than Meets the Eye. He was talking about uh, skin and touch. He said that the body has 450 touch cells per square inch of skin, and they're so powerful that we can feel, he says, a pressure on our fingertips that depresses the skin a microscopic four one hundred thousandths of an inch. That's in, uh, incredible. That's amazing. What's What psychologists um, are telling us now is that more recent research is showing us that not only does our, our skin and the power of touch enable us to interact with the physical world, but it actually helps us to communicate emotions. A 2009 study by the American Psychological Association tells us that humans have the ability to decode human emotion through touch alone. So they did this experiment where they blindfolded strangers and they had people they'd never met touch them. And the blindfolded people using only the touch had to interpret the emotion of the person touching them. They had to decipher between anger, sadness, joy, gratitude, fear. And you know what? They were like 78% accurate. That's amazing. Hugs, were learning, increases oxytocin. oxytocin. So that's the the, uh, hormone that reduces stress in our body. Hugs are really powerful. Holding hands is really powerful. And if you're a parent of a child and you've ever had a, a kid who's scared, you know the calming power, just holding their hand. Touch is powerful, but what happens when touch becomes contagious? And that's what we're looking at today. Because as we've realized very viscerally, when touch is contagious, we have to create distance, social distancing. And this isn't a new phenomenon. It's actually in the Bible. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 today. This is a story of Jesus encountering this man who had this skin disease called leprosy. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Matthew uh, chapter 8, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, put me on pause. I will literally go nowhere you know, until you get one. And let's look at this together. So here we go. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So it's really important that we get this story so we don't miss the power that's behind it. What did the leper ask for? I think it's really interesting that he didn't ask to be healed. He asked what? To be clean. He said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Why would he ask to be clean? I mean, this, this was written originally in Greek, and, and we know that there are lots of other Greek words that would have been perfectly well-suited for this like healing idea. But that's not what the leper asked for. He specifically said, make me clean. What's going on here? So it helps if we start by understanding what the Bible's talking about when it talks about leprosy. Now we have a category for leprosy in our modern kind of scientific clinical uh, mindsets. And leprosy uh, for us is a specific type of very devastating, very awful skin disease also known as Hansen's disease. It kills the nerve endings in the skin and and kind of it just rots it away basically. It can last decades and it's usually not um, Hansen's disease that will kill you but it's infections you get from Hansen's disease because you don't know if you stepped on a nail or if you have a cut or whatever. So it just makes you vulnerable. But that's that's not the category that, that um, the Bible's talking about. It it may have included that, but it really was talking about any kind of like infectious skin disease. And the Bible's idea of these diseases is that it made us unclean. It it it's a visible sign of defilement that we would wear on on our skin. And so the result of leprosy is not just physical sickness, although that's a part of it, but it was also social and spiritual isolation. So we get uh, a clear idea of that if we turn all the way back to um, your favorite book of the Bible, Numbers, right? Uh, Numbers chapter five, verses two through three, God through Moses is giving these commands about what to do with people who have this skin defilement. And here's what he said, command the Israelites to send away from the camp anyone who has a defiling skin disease or a discharge of any kind or is, who, who is ceremonially unclean because of a dead body. Send away male and female alike. Send them outside the camp so they will not get this defile their camp where I dwell among them. So here's what it meant to have leprosy or a defiling Skin disease. First of all, it meant that you're cut off from your family and your community. I mean, this is this is devastating. So people, uh, if they saw you and you had some kind of like skin disease, they would probably blame you, your sin, your lifestyle. So it kind of had this stigma, like like, um, like maybe an STD or something like that. Or uh, another example might be if um, you know you're a parent with kids who are in like a public or private school setting and you get the lice email from your teacher. You probably know what I'm talking about. It's like some kid in our class has lice and you're like, no, ew, right? It it had this stigma and this this negativity to it. The leper and everything the leper touched was automatically defiled. It was considered um, unclean. In fact, tradition, Jewish tradition outside of the Bible tells us that you couldn't walk within uh, like six feet, actually, of someone who had leprosy. And even more than that, uh, if they were within like a hundred feet, you couldn't be within like a hundred feet if the wind was blowing in your direction. Uh, You couldn't be in closed spaces with someone who had leprosy. Uh, People, again, outside of the Bible, uh, in history, we read that People um, who felt like a leper was getting too close would sometimes pick up stones and throw them at the leper to shoo them away. Josephus, who is a, a first century a Jewish historian and a, and a Jewish priest, he called leprosy a living death. If you had leprosy, you were, you were a dead man walking. That's, that's the way reviewed. You were cut off, excluded, and ostracized. You weren't just cut off from your family and your community. Even more than that, you were cut off uh, from being able to worship God. You were cut off from God's personal presence. So this is a really important idea in scripture, and I I think it's hard for us to get because we don't think about it uh, like this. But in Leviticus 19, verse 2, God said to his Israelite people, be holy for I am holy. What does that mean? It means that God had entered into a covenant with the Israelite people. He chose them from all the nations of the earth to to be with them and to be their God. And not just to be their God who gets worship, but to kind of infect them with his personal presence and holiness so that they could be be a holy people on earth who would invite the nations to come to this holy God and be transformed by him. But lepers, lepers were not allowed in the presence of God. They couldn't participate in the feasts and the the worship that happened at the tabernacle, and this was like core to their society. This seems strange to us, but uh, here's a helpful kind of analogy. Um, so have you ever been to a hospital? Of course you have, right? Uh, you, you might need to go now to get a checkup, but you don't want to, right? Because you're afraid of getting sick. But we've all been to hospitals. We understand that around the city, there are these special buildings, right? And they're made for people who are injured or sick so that you can go there and get better. Well, inside of a hospital is a special room and not everyone can go in, just a few People. Do you know what I'm talking about? An operating room. It's a special room where every square inch is disinfected vigorously. Uh, anything that can be taken apart and cleaned and then be put back together is taken apart and cleaned after a day of surgeries. Only a very few number of people can go in doctors, you know, maybe nurses, surgeons, anesthesiologists, and of course, the patient. It had a very special purpose. And this is what the idea of holiness gets at. It's a word that basically means like unique or special or set apart. And the idea is that if you bring anything into that special space, it contaminates it, right? So if you're having surgery, you wouldn't want your surgeon to walk in like uh, with, a, you know, greasy fingers from just eating a bunch of french fries, you know, and like a runny nose that he would, like, drip all over into your brain cavity or whatever, you know. You, would, you don't want anything uh, that's unclean in that clean environment. That's why everyone scrubs down and focuses on, you know, their hands and, and all of this stuff in an operating room. And this, this is a picture of what God's holiness is like. This is why you wouldn't wear your muddy boots to bed. It's why you don't store your toothbrush next to your toilet brush, right? And leprosy is this picture of uh, the contamination of unholiness. And what it's supposed to do is make us long for the restoration of God's purity, his goodness, his healing, and his justice, and his peace. So just imagine for a second, Imagine that you are an Israelite and you have this these mosaic laws, right, that you live by and you're a parent of a 10-year-old boy and one day your son comes and he has a little spot on his arm and you look at it and you don't know what it is and you kind of try to scrub it off. It doesn't go away and the next day it's even bigger and it keeps growing and growing as the days go by and pretty soon you can't hide it anymore, so you have to do what the Mosaic Law says. You, you bring a priest out to examine your son, and the priest says your son is unclean. He needs to go into uh, quarantine for seven days outside of the house. So, you know, maybe you pitch a little tent in the fields behind your house, and, and that's where your, your son has to go sleep. And, of course, your heart is breaking for your son. You don't want him to be alone, so you're sleeping out there with him outside of the tent, and you're bringing him food, and every day you're watching this infection grow and grow on his body. After seven days, there's no sign of the infection going away, and so the priest comes back and looks again, and by this time, it's creeping up his neck and onto his face, and the priest doesn't know what to say. He just shakes his head. He says, I'm I'm sorry. Your son, your son has leprosy. And so you're standing there in the field looking at your strong, beautiful, energetic son with this disease taking over his skin and, and creeping up onto his face. And you're trying to be brave as the priest is instructing your son in what the Mosaic law commands, that he now has to live outside of his community somehow. Somehow. That he has to tear his clothes and have his hair all messed up to show that he's unclean. And the worst thing is that everywhere your son goes, he has to yell, unclean, unclean, so that people scatter. And your son looks at you with tears in his eyes and he says, Mama, I want to come home. What do you do? You might put on a brave face and say, well, son, we're going to pray to God to heal you. But you know in your heart what this means. It means your son is cut off from you. And you desperately want to scoop him up into your arms and run your fingers through his hair, but you can't touch him because his touch is contagious. Fast forward. You know, here comes Jesus coming down the mountain with this crowd of clean people following him. And suddenly, they hear the cry of the leper, unclean, unclean, and everyone scatters. But Jesus stays. And the leper comes and he falls on his face in front of Jesus. And the the people around Jesus, some are scared, no one wants to touch him, some are angry, like how could this man bring his filth before this holy prophet doesn't he know who this prophet is and he, the leper falls on his face in utter exhaustion and desperation he says lord if you are willing you can make me clean see he already knew about this this jesus he knew that he was able to make him clean the question wasn't is he able the question is are you willing to make me clean and jesus Jesus, who was a good Jewish boy, and he was brought up by his mother saying, when you hear the word unclean, you get out of there. You stay clean. But Jesus, he defies, he defies the uncleanliness that's in front of him. And in in an act of, of courage and not being intimidated, he reaches out and he touches this man. And we see that immediately the leprosy was cleansed from his body. He said, "I am willing. I want you to be clean." And here's the shocking thing about this: is that what should have happened? What should have happened is the uncleanness of the leper should have defiled this holy prophet, Jesus. But instead, the holiness of God infected this man. Jesus is walking around as God's embodied holiness. And his touch not only heals this man of his incurable disease, it also removes the the filth that brought him shame and isolation. It's incredible. It's incredible. Here's what this means. It means that leprosy is supposed to remind us of what really defiles us. Jesus, uh, later on in Matthew, he was talking about what what defiles a person, and here's what he said. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile him. What are those things? And he goes on to explain, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. And, And guys, Sin is what defiles us. You know, we talk about, like in Christian circles, we talk about how sin, like we're guilty of sin, but sin does more than just make us guilty. It makes us unclean. It's like residue that stays on us. It's a living memory of the pain and the hurt that we inflict on each other and that is inflicted on us through our lust, through our harsh words, through our anger. When I was... um, in my early twenties, I was an urban missionary in Minneapolis, in a really rough area. And sometimes I would bring boxes of food to families who needed food, and often these were homes where uh, they're just kind of overrun with drug and alcohol addiction. And I saw the devastating effect of sin in these homes and in the in, in these environments. I would come in in the kitchen. Um, you know, there'd be just just filth everywhere. There'd be like chicken bones in styrofoam boxes just thrown on the floor. There'd be this smell of like alcohol and urine and, and the, the popcorn ceiling would be yellow with cigarette stained smoke. And just, it is a visceral reminder that when we sin, when we, uh, when we make ourselves unclean by what comes out of us, that we leave a residue and it, it it destroys us and it vandalizes God's good world. So that's the first thing. The other thing this story reminds us of is that Jesus is on a mission to make us as holy as he is. That's a staggering thought, you guys. That Jesus comes to restore our sin-stained world, not just forgive us of the guilt of our sin, but actually to purge the memory of our sin from his creation to make the whole world new, to make us new, to make us clean and holy. And this is why in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, the writer of Hebrews says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full of the assurance that faith brings. Not timidly and apologetically with our tear between our legs, but full of the assurance that faith brings, knowing that Jesus is willing having cleansed our hearts, um, uh, sprinkled our hearts clean from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. So what do we do with this? I think just three things. I'm going to try to be really quick. So the first thing that we do with this is we have to bring our real self to Jesus. We have to bring our real self to Jesus. Uh, About seven years ago, I went on a short backpacking trip all by myself. I don't know why I just was like on a manhood trip, you know, and I I was cooking my food over a fire and like hiking all over the place and just just getting nature all over me. It was great. I loved it. And then after a couple days, my wife came to pick me up at the park entrance and I got into our clean van and I instantly realized how stinky I was. Like, I was full of sweat and dirt, and I smelled like, like campfire smoke, and I didn't want to even touch my wife or our kids or the van because I felt like, man, I don't belong in this environment. Have you ever experienced this moment where you're so aware of the aura, the stench maybe that you're carrying, and that it doesn't fit the environment that you're going into? I think a lot of us feel this way maybe when we're sharing communion or when we come to church or when we're talking to Christian friends or talking to a pastor or whatever. And here's what this this story wants us to do. It wants us to understand that Jesus is not intimidated by the things that bring us shame and isolation, that he actually wants us. He is willing to make us clean. See, other religious systems They'll teach you that you need to make yourself clean and clean up your own act before you go to God with your worship or your good works or whatever before he can be pleased. But Jesus, he is willing for you to come as you are right now. And he doesn't want to leave you that way, but he wants to burn you clean with his holiness. You may have heard that God can't stand sin in his holy presence. Well, I think That's wrong. I think this story proves it. That it is in entering his holy presence with all of our baggage and our guilt and our shame, that's how we become as holy as Jesus. So that's the first thing. The second thing I think we need to do is we need to bring our real selves, our real selves to others. The last verse in our little story, um, chapter eight, verse four, Jesus' instructions were really interesting. Listen, he said, don't tell anyone, Uh, He didn't want a freak show to start. But go show yourself to the priest. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded, get this, as a testimony to them. What's a priest? Well, a priest is just another human being that God has set apart to represent people to God and God to people. And 1 Peter 3.9 tells us that every follower of Christ is a priest. That we represent God to each other. And so it's by entering that community of holy people that we ourselves become holy. And, and there, there shouldn't be a fear of doing that. Uh, 1 John 1, 1.9 says, um, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, but not just forgive us, also purify us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. See, a lot of us look at Christian groups or church or the Christian club, and we go, you know what, that's great for them, I don't belong there. If they only knew where I've been, if they only knew what I've done, if they only knew what's been done to me, they would never let me in. But Jesus invites us into Christian community. And, and guys, when we talk about confessing our sin, uh, this First John 1, 9 thing, what we're talking about is just, just talking about the things that have brought us into shame and isolation, just talking about it with other people who have also been invited into God's holiness. And we have a really good opportunity to do that this week and next uh, during group up. So if you're not in a group, man, it's powerful. I encourage you uh, to give it a try. And finally, and this is gonna be short, I believe this story is telling us that we need to bring the lepers in our lives to Jesus. Who's a leper in your life? You know, who's on the outside? Who doesn't belong in your neat, clean club? I think Jesus, his heart is to bring them in. See, a lot of us, we think that being a community of God's holy people means that we draw a line and we say that we're in and you're out because we do these things and you do those things. But God's holiness is not a barrier for us to say that we're in and you're out. His holiness is a well. See, a lot of us think that God's holiness is a wall when it's actually a well. And it's not, it's not a barrier for us to keep unclean people out. It's a well that we invite people to where God will wash them and cleanse them. So let's, let's be mindful of the people around us who are untouchable, who are uninvitable, who are unlovable. And let's do what Jesus did for us and invite them to, to encounter the holiness of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you, um, your touch is as contagious, if not more, than our touch, Lord. And thank you that you're not intimidated or afraid of, of us denting your reputation uh, or, or um, bringing our uncleanliness into your presence. But God, thank you that you bring your holiness to us and you burn us clean. So Lord, everyone that's watching this, wherever they are in their living room, their dining room, uh, their kitchen, their basement, their bedroom, wherever, um, I pray that they would become aware of your holiness and aware of your invitation to partake, to be part of the restoration, the the recreating of everything that's been vandalized to make it all new and all clean and all holy. Uh, We love you, God. Pray a blessing on my friends. In Jesus' name, amen.